Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest, uh, John Foster, and he's got a really interesting concept around teaching kids around financial literacy. As you know, our school system, it does its job for a particular purpose, but we have to learn different things outside of the school system, including finances, financial literacy. So he's here to talk about that. He's um, He's got an amazing background, and I'll introduce him to the show. John, welcome. Hey, hi, Chris. Uh, thanks very much. It's great to be here. Yeah. Um, like I said, you have an interesting, interesting work, very important work. Um, tell the audience about yourself and how you got started. So, um, you know, today we're my company, Middle School MBA, we're revolutionizing the way business and economics is taught uh, younger, faster, and better than, than ever. Um, I got into this, you know, I had a, a long career in industry. My, my background is engineering and, and uh, management. And so I, I worked through plants and, and startups and M&A and all that sort of stuff, corporate strategy. And along the way, I, I volunteered for a Junior Achievement. It's a very old charity that, that teaches uh, business to kids. And I kept adding stuff to the curriculum as, as things went on. And, and one day, I just had my own curriculum. So I was teaching that in schools, and everybody loved it. And, and uh, one day, I was walking to class, and I said to myself, why am I teaching 14 kids? I should be teaching 14,000. And so that's when I built all the all the tools that I always wanted to teach with, and 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 put it online, and and kind of crafted it into a curriculum that that any teacher can use. So we're able to drop in, and we do drop into any school in the world essentially overnight, and bring extremely high level business, economics, and entrepreneurship to kids as young as uh, ten or eleven years old. That's amazing. And um, so this question, uh, one question is, um, you know, because we have Khan Academy and there's um, I actually had the um, Tuttle Twins. Um, on my yes, show. Connor Boyack. Yeah, Connor Boyack. And, Connor's um, a great guy. Yeah. Talking about, um, you know, the libertarian approach, homeschooling, uh, you know, it does, like I said, the modern school system has its merits and achieves its purpose for a certain or choose an outcome for a certain purpose, but um, as you know, you know it doesn't prepare 
for you know things outside of that scope so um yeah talk about you know your um how you, this incorporates is it extra is it you know replace the school system all of that yes well, we we do summer camps uh in school after school and we're in private schools charter schools uh, home schools so any what we've done is is we've the our revolutionary turn is is to make it super simple and the funny thing is we've actually gone back to the way uh to the concepts that people use prior to say the 1910 or 1920 keynesianism came into the fore and that, and economics started to become to become mathematized to such an extent that it was it was separated away from from business is really its origins uh when aristotle first looked around and said hey what's going on with this commercial stuff people are are are, are making things and selling them and selling their time and paying wages and exchanging money and and charging interest on money. He's like, what the heck's going on here? You know, and this is uh, over 2000 years ago. He got a lot of things right. The focus was how does this commercial world work? What are the principles? What are its nature? And and that's where economics went well for 2000 years uh, and then some slowly yeah. finding its way to the to the real principles that describe free markets and then it took a very bad turn uh in in the early 1900s and became very very mathematical and very disconnected and and so now everybody hates it and they think it's you know it, it doesn't apply to anything it's it's very removed from reality and and we're bringing all that back we um you know we start with business concepts and and we have a we have a 3D model, which uh, shows the economy as being a, a big network of businesses hooked together, transforming natural resources into products. That's what actually happens. This product allows you to literally trace things around with your finger uh, to understand what's happening with money flows and product flows and, and all that sort of thing. And, and so in, in taking that view, we can zoom into the model and say, okay, this is a business. How does it operate? What is its P&L, et cetera, et cetera. And then we zoom back out and we have everything in context. And so that's sort of the backbone of the course. We're, we're able to, we want to talk about prices. We zoom in on, on prices in the model. And then we talk about really, really deep things like what is a price and where does it come from? And, and why is money on one side of the equation? And by the way, what is money? And, and where does money come from? What are its properties? How do we recognize it from something else? And, and again, we're doing this with kids 11, 12, 13 years old. So it's, it's, it's really, really exciting to, to be able to bring those cons. And, you know, their, their teachers and their parents, you know, they come back and say, oh, my God, I always wanted to understand all of this. You know, I'm, I'm so happy to see this happening. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it's great to see the work that, um, you know, for example, Kip and uh, and uh, most of the my learnings about what money is was, um, you know, uh, after the, you know, 2000 and 2008, uh, you know, digital assets and, uh, you know, these banking crises, you know, I've learned how the money system works and you now the banking system is not served for you. It's served for the government and the central banks. And especially the well, one thing is like money is fundamental, like you pay people, you know, you have to have a roof over your head, you have to have food 
clothing shelter. But then schools are talking about like the Pythagorean theorem and like all these like very esoteric concepts. And what sort of pushback have you gotten from, uh, you know, this educational, you know, infrastructure and all of that? It's uh, it's sort of a, a bifurcation for you know, for a lot of people in education, uh, business and finance and money is just not a thing. It, it's uh, they they weren't taught that when they went through the system. And, you know, if you're maybe you're a principal and and you've gotten along just fine, not not really having studied it. Um, and so maybe you're just you're just ambivalent about it. You say, OK, whatever, you know, and, and, and not interested. But on the other hand, then our customers are, are, are schools and principals that are really ambitious for their kids. And, and they take this really wide view that we want our kids to know everything. We want them to be prepared for everything. And, and so there is a, there's like an entrepreneurship wave that's moving through education now. And, and so in, in many cases, we're really welcomed with open arms. In, in those cases, it's, it's very gratifying. And also there's a there's an even larger movement in the U.S. to relook at civics education and and kind of back away from maybe some of the the more soft woke sort of issues and and get back to some some stuff with more meat in it. And if if you really want to understand American government and American philosophy and the Constitution and all these things, economics is essential. Um, our founders understood it a hundred percent. There's this um, unbreakable link between personal liberty, owning yourself and owning your possessions and free market economics. I mean, free market economics is what happens. A marketplace is people who bring the stuff they own and freely exchange them with other people. It's the only way that, that market prices can form. And without, without market prices, you're just completely blind. Nobody knows what to do. You, you, you can't figure out how to run a business, how to finance a business. Prices are just essential. And in order to have prices, you have to have um, private property. There's just no, there's no substitute. What we see a lot of times is, you know, in the extreme cases, the early days of the Russian Revolution, they actually completely outlawed money in certain areas. And in less than a year, people were literally starving. There was nothing there. And, you know, in, in North Korea, where where prices are suppressed, and then, then there you have just utter poverty. And then in the middle, you know, you can play games with the prices. You can put on regulations and this and that and, and sort of hide the damage you do. But, but the damage is always there. It's, it just may take longer to show up or you may be able to explain it away as something else. But uh, it's, just, it's just a mathematical certainty. There's, there's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think the, I think the United States is kind of the best of the worst kind of, I, I've, you know, you know, all basically currencies and fiat currencies, they'll go to eventually go to zero. Um, but you know, these overwhelming, you know, public debt and, you know, starting wars and, you know, wasting a lot of money on different things and not really focusing on infrastructure, you know, educating your system and your population. Again, you know, this, you know, I, I love this idea of free market. It's, you know, the free market of ideas to a certain extent, it exists here. You know, there is some, you know, bias and some censorship, but, uh, you know, it's, again, it's the best of the worst lot is how I, <laughs> how I view it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree, you know, and, and, 
And again, I, I put a lot of that at the feet of, of the Keynesian. It propagated so many, really, fallacy. War is good for the economy. You know, that's, uh, that's an old Keynesian, uh, uh, which on the face of it, I mean, you, you, you take, you, you go to work and you produce bombs and you go destroy something that somebody else has produced. And somehow that's good for somebody's economy. I mean, it might be good for Raytheon's economy, but it's, but for the economy overall, it's certainly not. This goes back to all of us learned economics. You know, you can't open an economics textbook uh, finding this the circular flow diagram within the first few pages of the book. And, and we've all been taught that is this is what an economy looks like. That was built specifically to, to prop up Keynesianism. You know, when, when Keynes wrote the general theory, nobody could understand it. It's a mess. It, I mean, just try to read it. it it'll give you a headache because he, he changes the definition <laughs> of the words, you know, halfway through a page. And it's a mess. And the, the circular flow diagram is one of, one of the things that they built to, to try to prop it up. And um, we have a video coming out on, on why it's such a problem and, and deconstructing it and, and putting things back in the right place. It's, it's almost a, a phenomenal brainwashing. We all accept that this must be it because we all learned it in our textbooks. But it, you know, it, it treats capital, well, it, it does two things with capital. One, it, it treats it like it's the same as labor or, or raw materials, right? It's, oh, it's just a factor of production and it's just part of this little circle. That's one thing that they do wrong. But also notice, you know, in the, in the first chapter of the book, they say, okay, the factors of production are land, labor, capital, and entrepreneurship. And then you never hear anything about capital anymore. They, there's no discussion of what is capital, where does it come from, what do you do to be friendly to it, et cetera, et cetera. Because those questions don't fit the, the math of economics the way they want to do it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry it's, for that long ramble, but uh, yeah. it's, a, uh, it's a pet peeve. All of these things, the, the Federal Reserve, wars, deficit spending, those are all supported by, by Keynesian notions that, that fall apart with just a, a little bit of uh, introspection. Yeah, and I love how um, you're getting kids exposed to these ideas because um, the problem with fiat currency is it's uh, basically, uh, I was reading there was a really great quote is, whoever controls the money supply is the one of the most powerful people, more powerful than the president. So you look at um, how Jerome Powell, more powerful than Biden because he controls the cost of the money and, and uh, you know, he sets the interest rates. All economic activity based on the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency, that's that's a huge, you know, in one person and you have people like talking like hours and hours analyzing what he's saying and his comments and it's like, just like, <laughs> you know, that, that's not a... <laughs> yes, and, and you know, like like we said earlier, the the... With, if you don't have a market price for something, then you can't make a rational decision. And interest is the price of money. It's, it's one of the most important prices in the marketplace. David Stockman is constantly saying that. And, you know, it's the, it's the, the cause of the boom and bust cycle. It's, it's the cause of inflation. It looks very complicated when you look at the banking system. But at, at its root, if you can just print money for free, that's the greatest business in the world. And... And and who can resist it? You know, it's a, even if the first guy who's involved is a is an angel, sooner or later, someone a little less angelic is going to get control, and and then that's it, right? You you've got uh, 
a fox guarding the hen house. Yeah, it's amazing how fragile our economic system is. Really, like especially in March of 2020, um, just the extent and the magnitude and the rapidity of the bank runs. You know, uh, and you know, I'm surprised it was so overlooked in the mainstream media and by the news. Um, just kind of glossed over and they kind of like patched it up. You know, people are, are awaking to this idea where the it's an unstable system. Um, one of the questions I have is because one of the technological solutions to unsound money is um, Bitcoin. And I think it's been demonized by the media because so many criminals and bad actors have used it and they're trying to, you know, basically demonize it, trying to, you know, associate it with that. But just talking about um, sound money. And when I read the Bitcoin white paper in uh, 2011, it's, it was like, it was just like this big aha to fix all the problems with centralized fiat money, just this greed on Wall Street, the corruption in DC. So what role do you talk about educate children around Bitcoin, sound money, sound concepts? Again, it's a bad rap, but we can talk about that as well. Yeah, so we, we don't have any uh, specific stuff in our curriculum regarding Bitcoin or uh, any cryptocurrency. We have like a 35-hour course. In, in 35 hours, we're covering all the fundamentals of business, economics, entrepreneurship. And, and so we, we do talk about money per se. What is money like? Where did it come from? How did it evolve? I've been late personally to the, to the Bitcoin uh, game. Uh, only recently have I become a, a, a big fan. I, my thinking has always been, well, what's to stop somebody from making a better Bitcoin and, and making the first one obsolete on uh, number one? And number two, who really understands all the code underlying Bitcoin? And how, do you, how are you sure that, uh, that there's not some glitches or something in there? But I, I recently read a, a white paper by a couple of guys at Fidelity Investments, and they answered those questions for me very well. Yeah. And uh, so I'm totally on board now with with Bitcoin and, and, and putting, you know, some percentage of my assets that direction. I'm, I think it's too big of a topic to address with with our kids. You know, it, we yeah. just don't have the time for that. We, we we have so many things on the drawing board. We want to we want to add stuff about contracts and insurance and and show how these things work. Uh, so, I mean, maybe there's a crypto lesson out there somewhere in the future, but for right now, we, we don't have it. Yeah. But and, and, go ahead. Sorry. And, and I guess what I, what I should also say is when we're teaching kids, we're very careful to stay on the dead facts, things that are, that are essentially in contrast. I think it's, it's uh, criminal to mislead a child. Mm-hmm. And, and so we don't, even on my own, Feelings are very, very free market. I'm careful to call that out with them. And, you know, we say, look, here's the mechanism. Here's the linkage, how you get from here to there. Examine that linkage. Decide for yourself if it all works. And and for God's sakes, don't believe me just because I said it. You know, when the crux of, of critical thinking is that every step has to make sense in your own brain. And if it doesn't, you, you, you just uh, set aside accepting it in, until that does. So when we're very, very careful not to propagandize kids. Um, I, I think when they know the facts, they make the right decision. Uh, and we see that time and time again. But but I'm I'm extremely careful to point out my personal biases and, 
and and warn them not to fall prey to them. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And, and so kind of as we come to the end of this really fascinating discussion around financial literacy, economics, educating our kids, um, sounds like you're doing a lot of great work. And um, I'm curious, you know, how can people contact you, you know, check out your work, uh, reach out to you, et cetera? You can just go to middleschoolmba.com. That's, that's as in Masters of Business Administration middleschoolmba.com and just right there on our homepage, there's uh, tons of information, testimonials. You can download the curriculum outline. You can sample lessons or free lessons. If uh, you have a school or, or just, you know, homeschool, uh, everybody teaches scarcity and supply and demand. You can get those lessons free on our website and, and they're the best thing on the market. You might as well use the best. So uh, just middle school. If you want to contact me, you can through the website there, through our Connect uh, page, and uh, be happy to help your listeners uh, however we can. Yeah, and I love this. I love this. Um, people coming out of the public and you know doing great work, such as yourself, you know, um, others, really democratizing, kind of getting equal access to education and information, uh, which we would not be able to do without the internet and you know just all this technology. Yeah, you know, while we're at it, I, I might mention uh, we have a, a interesting project in uh, in Africa with uh, University of Buckingham. We're, we're taking best curriculum there is and making it available at very very low cost to schools that don't even have power. They might have a roof, but they don't have a floor. You know, these are the poorest kids in the world, and because of technology. We're able to we're able to get projectors, uh, battery powered projectors out of China for twenty bucks. So FO equip these classrooms with these just great curriculum that would seem unimaginable. And and one day once we have it working with economics, the idea is that we use the same platform for history and math and and whatever. You find who's the best math teacher in the world, and we plug them into this platform. And and the results, you know, when all these uh, we're talking about over a million kids uh, at this point, and and there are many, many more, of course, in in Asia and Africa, and the 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 wealth and the knowledge that 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 kind of thing can release over the next 10, 20, 30 years is is uh, just incredible. Yeah, yeah, and I I love this. Uh, we'll have to have you on as a, in the future, you know, for future another a webinar or a podcast, and um, all of uh, John's resources will be in the links and show notes and uh, i love the work that you're doing um empowering people with around financial literacy and with that thanks so much for coming on to the podcast thank you chris i i so enjoyed it another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
wherever you are listening. If you like it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.